You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Last week, uh, Matt Schneider mentioned that he did not have time uh, to preach on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he preached on his first coming, his appearing as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Uh, But this morning, I am from 2 Peter going to talk about his second coming, which is not as a baby, but as a king uh, who reigns in glory and will come to rescue as well as judge the earth. And Peter writes this morning to those who eagerly await this second coming, but they've grown impatient, if not disillusioned, for his return. But Peter writes to give them perspective, really to look at our lives and their lives in light of eternity. So often we think of eternity as something that happens after we die or after the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. But the Bible's perspective on eternity is eternity begins the moment you enter into a life-saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life abundantly, life to the fullest, That the moment we become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we enter into eternity. As Ephesians 2 tells us, we're seated even now in the heavenly places. And that we're part of that great church that surrounds the throne of our Lord and Savior and sings hymns to the praise of his name. And yet there still is a sense in which we're waiting Advent really is about waiting. But in this waiting period, let's look at 2 Peter, because I think three questions emerge from our scripture passage this morning. One, where is the world going? Where is it headed, ultimately, in the history of eternity? Two, how should we live in light of this knowledge? And three, Why the delay? Why the waiting? Why doesn't Jesus just come back? Well, where is the world going? Peter tells us in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. R.E.M. was right. It's the end of the world as we know it. Now that's not necessarily an encouraging thought at first blush, is it? That actually the world is heading toward destruction. It's not getting better. It's not improving. In fact, if anything, it's headed in the opposite direction. It's heading to its ultimate destruction where everything will be burned up. Everything will be melted. Everything that you and I have have accumulated in this life will burn up. Our money, our investments, monuments, legacies, the homes we've worked so hard to buy and to furnish, the overpriced bathroom that you just had renovated, 
the car of your dreams, all of it is going to burn. Hooray! (laughs) Happy Advent! But is that the final word? Is that really all that it's headed toward? Yes, that is exactly where the world is headed. And yet that's not the final word. Can you believe it snowed on December the 8th? That was crazy. I naysayed it all the way through. I'm not a believer in weathermen, nor should you be. But I thought surely even if it snowed, the ground's too warm, it's not going to stick. And yet there it was. It came down so hard and so heavy, and it was that kind of snow that stuck to everything. And uh, that afternoon at dusk, I needed to run back into town to get something. And as I was driving and crested a a hill, uh, I actually pulled the car over and I stood in the middle of the road. There was no other traffic. And as I stood in the middle of the road, I saw this beautiful archway that had been created by the the whole length of the hill, by the snow, and it just simply radiated. And for a moment, I thought, this is what Christmas is supposed to feel like. Weren't you enchanted by it? And it was marvelous. You know what I think? I think that we caught a glimpse of what the new Jerusalem is going to look like. Where everything that is brown and decayed and broken down and, and leafless will be made new. And it will dazzle, not because of nature, not even because of the sun, because Jesus Christ himself is the light of that new creation. Everything will be made new. That's where we're headed. That is what the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is about. It's about judgment, yes. But it's also, and moreover, about redemption. You know, with the end of the world coming, and we do live in those last days, but we know not when he comes. I've realized recently that some don't have to wait for eternity to know what it feels like that a fire is coming. I was listening to NPR just a couple weeks ago with these awful wildfires that are breaking out in in California. And an NPR reporter was in his home fast asleep at night and there was a knock at the door and he went downstairs and it was the police telling him, you have to get out. The fire is at your doorstep. And he thought, surely not. When I went to bed, it was miles away. And yet, it had crept up on them. Knowing that the world is going to end, that there's a fire at your doorstep, ought to give us perspective. We know not when he comes. We don't even have the added benefit of a police officer saying, you have five minutes to get out of your house. We don't know when he comes. He comes like a thief. And so, how should we live in light of this news? Peter tells us, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
When that NPR reporter was told, you have five minutes, he thought, what do I take with me? When we know that destruction is at hand, we should place ultimate value on things eternal. If a fire is coming, what would you take with you from your home? I have a feeling we'd forget about the money, the house, the cars. Wouldn't really think about our 401k. Like that NPR reporter, I think I would take what he took. Family pictures. If not family pictures, maybe some object that actually has very little material value but represents a memory that changed your life. Maybe a blanket that your child had as an infant. Maybe some other family heirloom that is infused with value and represents something much greater than itself. I think Peter would tell us that If our loved ones are what is most important to us, how much more should we desire to be with them in eternity? Would you not say to your loved ones, to your friends, your family, your children, your grandchildren, that there's a fire coming? But more importantly, tell them of the ark of refuge that is in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, you're being given perspective. Nothing wrong with the house, nothing wrong with the car, nothing wrong with a 401k or any other investment. But it may be in light of eternity, in light of the precious gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the message of life, that all of a sudden, your home has a different meaning, that it's a haven of hospitality for strangers so that they might hear the gospel. Your car may be the vehicle to bring people to church to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your investments may no longer simply being about a comfortable retirement or a comfortable here and now, but you may look to invest it in gospel work so that you may rejoice with others in heaven, an investment that pays eternal dividends. And so the coming of that day gives us perspective about what is really important. And at the top of all of our bucket lists ought to be the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the furtherance of his gospel. When Peter says that we're to live lives of holiness and godliness, he's talking about us living our lives in light of the imminent return of Jesus Christ that it's not business as usual. But our minds are set on eternity even while we dwell here in this passing kingdom. But like those to whom Peter writes, this can lead us to impatience. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Peter tells us in 8 and 9, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Patience is not a virtue we readily accept in our world. It's a fruit of the Spirit, but we don't long for it, do we? But where we are impatient, God is ever patient. In fact, his coming is delayed not by his slowness, but by his patience, which is ultimately because of his love for you and for me. You've heard the question asked, what makes the world go round? And the answer? Love. But it's not a human love. The world continues to rotate today and to orbit the sun for one reason and one reason alone, according to Peter. That reason is that so others may come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Full stop. God, in his infinite mercy and love, wills time to go on so that others may hear the name of Jesus Christ and turn to him and be saved in this life in order that we might live with him in eternity. Uh, Last summer, I'd never heard of the man, Arthur Stace. Arthur Stace was born in the late 1800s in Sydney, Australia. He was the fifth child born to alcoholic parents. He was brought up in poverty, And in order to survive, he resorted to stealing as a child. By the age of 12, he was an alcoholic and with no formal schooling and working in a coal mine had continued and persisted in his alcoholism. At 15, he decided that he would take another job and he became a lookout for his sister's brothel. But in March 1916, in order to escape that life and try to find a way forward, he enlisted in the army to fight in World War I. He got home to Australia, living in Sydney, marrying, having children. But 11 years later, nothing had changed in his life. He continued to struggle with alcoholism, and as he would say, he lived a degenerate life. But then one day, he decided to go to St. Barnabas Anglican Church, and the great RBS Hammond was preaching. And inspired by the words... He became a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he became consumed with the notion of eternity. A couple years later, he heard the preaching of John Ridley, a great Anglican evangelist, who said, Eternity, eternity. I wish that I could sound or shout that word to everyone in the streets of Sydney. You've got to meet it. Where will you spend eternity? And although Arthur Stace was illiterate and could barely write his own name, he took out a piece of chalk and he wrote in beautiful copper plate script in chalk, Eternity. And he dedicated the next 35 years of his life getting up at five in the morning and walking and praying the streets of Sydney and writing the word Eternity. Everywhere. It's estimated that he wrote that word between 500,000 and a million times over those years. Such a cultural impact it had on Sydney 
that on January the 1st, year 2000, at the stroke of midnight, they lit up the beautiful, iconic harbor bridge with the word eternity in the script. At the Sydney Olympic Games, they did the same thing. Stay spent the rest of his life pointing people and reminding them of eternity. Do we think the same way? Are our minds set on eternity? With the world going in the direction it's going with the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we should live our lives in light of that. Understanding that the only thing that keeps the Lord Jesus Christ from coming back is his great love for this sinful and broken world. He wants people to know him. And they come to know him by the power of his Holy Spirit by using people like you and me looking to eternity and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he comes not only to judge, but to take his ransomed church home and reunite it once again where he will make all things new and we will be citizens of that heavenly Jerusalem where there is no more sin, no more sighing, but our faith and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ will be realized for eternity. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.